0: Coming up on Stu Does America, Pat Gray is here to tell us how Biden's supply chain issues are screwing up his life as well as yours. Nathan Nipper tells us his journey to getting a Christmas novel published, and the time to gorge ourselves into self hatred has finally arrived. And I've got a few thoughts on some of this holiday season's biggest stories. Let's do Thanksgiving.
1: Stu Does America.
0: Ah, Thanksgiving is here, and if you have plenty of money to spend on your Thanksgiving meal this year, you can, you can thank Joe Biden, because he's always here for you. I kid you not, it was just four months ago that Joe Biden was bragging to you that he has saved you 14 cents on your July 4th picnic meal Uh, That was mocked roundly. 14 cents. Thanks so much. Uh, But what was missed, I think, on the tweet where the administration bragged about this was they stated that this 14 cent savings was evidence that their economic policy was working. Well, four months later, we now know and has now finally been admitted that this inflation thing is real. It's really affecting real people. It's hitting us all over the economy. And I guess if we use their logic, this would be evidence that their economic plan is not working. Thanksgiving gas prices are the highest we have now seen since 2012, a long time ago, a moment in time in which we had totally different, uh, a totally different situation where Joe Biden was the vice president instead of the president. <laughs> totally different. Crazy times back then. He had nothing to do with it either time, of course. The average prices consumers paid for regular gasoline stood at $3.40 a gallon. Uh, This is uh, this week, according to a new report from the government. This year's pre Thanksgiving gas price is 62 percent above the same point last year. Um, Now, that is uh, the highest uh, we've seen in a very long time. Gas prices spiked in October by a dollar 13 a gallon. The biggest year over year increase since the EIA started collecting these numbers in 1990. Uh, Incidentally, 1990, just 18 years after Joe Biden first got into the government just 18 years, 18 short years before they even started monitoring the numbers. That's how long he's been around. Um, this is a big uh, issue. A lot of people are may avoid travel because of it, though we do expect this to be a situation where travel is a lot higher than it was a few years ago. And we're also seeing, Butterball has announced that there may be fewer uh, small turkeys available for you this holiday season. Big turkeys, they got plenty of them. Big turkeys are everywhere. Small turkeys, not so much. Why? Well, uh, number one, uh, last year, a lot of people did not uh, want to go to uh, big gatherings. So they killed a lot less turkeys, far fewer turkeys, if you will. So those turkeys now have had an extra year and they've grown up to be big and strong. Big, strong turkeys. I worry about a turkey revolution. When will they fight back after all of this? I don't know. I do worry about it. If you see an armed militia of turkeys led by like a Kyle Rittenhouse turkey at the front of it, worry. Run for the hills because they could be coming for you. But last year... These turkeys that would have been harvested last year have grown up into bigger turkeys, so now they have bigger turkeys this year. And also because of COVID, there's still a bunch of people who don't wanna travel, so a lot of the gatherings are smaller and people are buying the smaller turkeys. Uh, That one may very well go away uh, pretty soon. Uh, Maybe next year the turkey situation will be fine, but we're seeing so many economic disruptions because of COVID and of the economy. Um, Now, CNN is recommending you ask uh, four quick questions. When you show up at your Halloween or your uh, holiday gathering this particular year, here they are. Number one, have you been vaccinated? Number two, have you been tested? Number three, should we crack open a window? And number four, is there anyone at severe risk who needs me to mask up? I mean, really, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you want to open up your conversations doing that. I know I do it's gonna be a lot of fun American is uh, is, uh, America is also gearing up for its most vegan Thanksgiving ever now of course you know that I happen to have a little bit of expertise in this particular topic Uh, as Americans only America's only conservative vegetarian I lead the way in trying all these weird foods so you don't have to Uh, now as you may know uh, if you've watched the show for a while and pat and stew before and wonderful world of stew and the radio program you may have seen years ago, I actually uh, I made this thing. It's called Worthington's Protein Loaf. Now, Worthington's Protein Loaf does not sound like a good product. However, it's quite delicious. It's like a meatloaf of turkey, except not made out of turkey. God only knows what it's made out of. I don't know, but it tastes pretty good. In fact, we even ran it by the meat eaters here at The Blaze, including our own Pat Gray, who we'll have on here in a little bit. And uh, he even liked it. However, this year... I've added to the mix gravy granules. Now, is there anything more appetizing than thinking about a Worthington's protein loaf covered in gravy granules? I can't think of it, but that's what I'm going to be doing this Thanksgiving, and you should feel bad for me. Um, A a lot of people, though, are trying this uh, vegan thing, and this is actually an interesting... uh, part of the market. I, I think conservatives rightly so are mocking the idea that it's going to be a vegan Thanksgiving It's not people are going to be eating turkey, but what's driving the the uh, market for these sort of alternatives are Flexitarians they're calling them now flexitarians are not vegetarians. They just eat a lot of that vegetarian food They'll, they'll have maybe a couple meals a, a week that are not um, meat and they're mixing that stuff in. And this is actually a a real commentary on capitalism on the market because as someone who's experienced this transition over the years, the reason why people weren't flexitarians before is because all the food sucked. Now it's getting pretty good. I know. I mean, it's starting to taste pretty good. So people are more willing to embrace it. We have talked about the impossible burger on the show before. Uh, kind of if you look on the Internet, you can find the clip of Pat and Glenn doing a side by side taste test and choosing the impossible burger, thinking it was the real meat burger of the two. I don't know what was going on with the real meat burger and that taste test. Maybe uh, maybe not the best one, but I will say uh, some of these products are actually good. It's just like energy. Like people aren't like, oh, I must have fossil fuels to run my television and my car. If you come up with a better product that is less expensive and that people want, they'll use it. And that is the way you might change people's behavior, not by, you know, haranguing them uh, to become vegetarian. You know, it's funny, um, uh, the guy who, the CEO of Impossible Foods was on the show at one point. And. And he said, you know, he, he does have an ideological belief that he wants people to be vegetarian. Um, and so he he said, how can I do this? He said, I could try to harangue people through the government. But as he pointed out, the Chinese government actually did this. A communist government. These are people who you can weld them into their apartments. You can weld your citizens into apartments whenever you want in China. And um, they said, hey, can you guys eat less meat? And they're like, no. No, we're going to eat more. We're going to eat more meat. you got to come up with a product that competes with it and that people want to eat. And then they'll choose it if you can come up with it. Um, Target is also saying they will never again open their doors on Thanksgiving. And this is something that is always received with such a warm embrace by the news media. All oh, this glorious company. Has decided they don't want people to be away from their their employees to be away from fam- their families on Thanksgiving. They don't want shoppers to come in. They could be uh, spending at time at home in a in a wonderful hall. Everyone has you know time they need to relax and stay at home with their loved ones. And and now we're going to apply that worldwide to uh, or at least nationwide to our uh, our Target stores. This is always gets a good treatment from the media, a warm treatment. But let me tell you what it's stupid. Okay. First of all, you know, you want to have people spend time at home with their families. What if their families suck? What if their families you might like your family? What if another person hates their family and has a great excuse to get out every Thanksgiving to go to the store? Now you've closed it. They can't go anymore. You know, if there's this weird moral judgment that comes out when it comes to uh, these stores and like whether you're supposed to be shopping. Look, I if you want to stay home, stay home. If you want to do that, fine. The employees are another story, and I can understand saying, well, we don't want our employees to have to work on Thanksgiving. Well, you know, a lot of employees, especially ones that are working in retail, might really like the time and a half or double time they're getting on Thanksgiving. So I'm I'm so happy we've all encouraged these companies to not allow their, their employees to earn more for a particular day. Maybe it's not all that important to them. Maybe they don't care about staying home. You want to give them the option to stay home? Great. But closing the store because you don't want anyone else to come in? Why, do you, why are you making that decision for people? Why not instead let them make it for themselves? Now, of course, people can go to grocery stores all day long. No one cares at all about the grocery store employees. Does that sound familiar over the past couple of years? Nobody seems to care about the gas station employees. No one seems to care. You know, we all say, oh, we're going to stay at home and we have these family events and we can all gather around the TV and watch some NFL football. Well, that's great. And, you know, I love that as part of my tradition. But does anyone care about the stadium employees that have to work those games? Why doesn't anyone criticize those people who are going out to the NFL games? Those stadiums are always packed. No one seems to care about the people working at the television network that have to cover the game so they can get into your home. No one seems to care about the power company. All those employees are there. They're working their asses off on Thanksgiving to make sure you have power to heat your food and uh, to watch your NFL football. No one seems to care about any of that. I guess it's okay to go to those games, just not to go shopping. Stop judging everybody. Stop it. Let people choose what they want to choose. If you want to go uh, shopping on Thanksgiving, luckily some stores will be open for you. Not Target. It's obviously Target's right to make their decision however they want. But stop treating them like they're this moral authority here. We've seen Target's policies on all sorts of things over the past couple years not exactly hitting that standard. Stop and stop acting like they're doing this out of the goodness of their own heart. The fact is, they'd have to pay their employees more. Maybe less, fewer people are coming out on those days. They're spreading out the specials. They're selling more online. They don't mind closing that one day a year. Let's not act as if this is altruism in action. Let people make their own decisions about where they want to go on whatever day they want to go there. And maybe, just maybe, uh, we can all enjoy our Thanksgiving either with our family, or if your family sucks, far away from them.
1: Does.
0: You may be familiar with my next guest. His name? Pat Gray. Pat joins me now. He's the host of Blaze TV and YouTube's Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat.
1: Welcome to the program. Thank you, Stu. (laughs) Thank you. That picture looks so angry. Really? What was what was wrong with me that day? It was a bad day. Look at that. Yeah, Yeah. that's a bad day. That that, you see all the lines in my forehead and stuff. That's not good. And usually you have such you know soft soothing tone (laughs) on the show, right? (laughs) You know, that's the thing.
0: I think if the show really is Pat Gray leashed. Uh-huh. It seems very leash. You're, it does. Yeah. Unleashed. That's, just, that's Really kind of right. restrained. <laughs> yeah, really restrained.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: is that how you've been uh, on the Kyle Rittenhouse oh, case over the yeah, past few so, weeks?
1: Oh, So restrained. Yeah. Uh, it's been <clears throat> amazing to watch the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, r- response to the verdict when, you know, you kind of expect people to follow along with the trial a little bit, maybe see some of the evidence, maybe hear some of the arguments and then make up a, uh, their minds. That's not how it went down for the left, which is amazing. And you kind of contrast Kyle Rittenhouse with the Ahmad Arbery uh, trial mm. where, you know, obviously that was a really tragic, really horrific event. Uh, a guy who went into a house that was under construction and then walked out of the house and then he's tracked down by these two white guys and, and he's shot dead uh, you know, that <clears throat> seems to be uh, a real problem. And there's a difference a real in
0: the way the reaction was for both of those cases. I mean, yeah. y- you could say, OK, well, both of them are claiming self-defense. Both of them are white people. And as we know, at the Kyle Rittenhouse, a lot of liberals think there were black people involved in that. There weren't really. Um, but, you know, the, the idea that the the white guy with the gun is the bad guy, that mm-hmm. was a take from the left on both of those issues but that's not the way conservatives reacted to it
1: not at all i mean the bad guy were the white guys in the arbery case i believe and you know there were only white guys in the kyle rittenhouse uh situation (laughs) so (laughs) it's hard to be so they were both good guys and bad guys in that and they were all white uh but i think rittenhouse clearly was shown to be uh a guy who was not guilty of those charges. What would it, if you go back and think of the O.J Simpson
0: murders, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of those big cases over time. Mm-hmm. OJ was difficult for a lot of people to come out with an, you know, with an answer on, even though I think it was pretty obvious, at least it was to me. Um, but you know obviously he was uh, he was let off on that initially at least, um, partially because there's no video, right? Yeah, in a case like this yeah. where there is video where you can watch every second of this go down,
1: how is this even a decision? Yeah, it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. And, by the way, OJ seems like a, a black man. Okay. I really <laughs> wanted him to be innocent. The entire trial, I was rooting for him to be innocent. I wanted OJ to walk. Because you, because you
0: loved him as a football player.
1: I loved him as a football player and, and as you know, a, a performer, and I, I just thought he was great. I, you know, I grew up watching him at USC. Well, I was a little young for USC, but I, I did, you know, I was 10 when probably he graduated from USC and went to Buffalo and watched him in his, in his NFL career. And he was so good, so exciting to watch. And, you know, a guy who runs for over 2,000 yards mm-hmm. in 14 games. Incredible. Uh, unbelievable. And so, yeah, I mean, I think OJ was beloved among white people. There was no there was no racial element to that. No, he
0: used that as a defense. Right. Now, but as a person who loved O.J. Simpson, as you watch the evidence come
1: in, though, then I decided, yeah, okay, he killed, uh, he killed those two. So you were making a decision based on the evidence. I, I was. Seems like you're yeah. being consistent over time. <laughs> <You> kind of <laughs> here. Seems like it. Yeah, yeah. but that, yeah. that
0: you know, I, I was I was struck by um, the comments um, from Rashida Talib on this breathe act. Now, the Breathe Act, the name comes from I Can't Breathe, which people would associate with George Floyd, I think. But actually, goes. Mm-hmm. wasn't it Eric Garner where that started? Oh, yeah. A case in New York, which Where really, he was
1: jumped on and, uh, uh, by a police officer, mm-hmm. right, and kind of uh, brought to the ground and sort of suffocated.
0: Yeah, him. and if, I, if I, that's another one of those situations where it seemed like conservatives were
1: like, yeah, that one was bad, right? Like, that we're was, trying to look at the merits really bad. of
0: yeah. these situations. But the Breathe Act is... Does not make decisions based on circumstances. It makes decisions blanket way that would let everyone out of federal prison within 10 years. This is what the Democrats seem to really want. Yeah. Uh, How 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 does this work in an election? Because I mean, take out the uh, the the obvious absurdity of the policy. But like, don't the American people say, just like they said, I don't want to defund the police. I don't want people in power who are telling me we're going to let all criminals out of jail. Does this actually affect people or are we beyond that at this point?
1: I hope not. Uh, That would be really bad. (laughs) We're really bad. I expect this to hurt Democrats, but I I, I think Democrats have hurt themselves so badly anyway. Yeah, um, since especially since the beginning of the Biden administration, uh, that I don't I think they're going to get routed next year in the midterms and. This will be part of that. There there can't be too many Americans who think, hey, you know what we should do (laughs) is regardless of what crime they committed, let's let all federal prisoners go. Mm. And at the same time, here's an even better idea we will defund police and there won't be any cops to round them up if they start doing crimes again <laughs> that's great
0: can i add on one more policy sure. on top of that sure. what if we take all the guns too from the regular wow. people the law what a good citizens. idea yeah, yeah. Have i think to americans will
1: really respond to that yeah. yes
0: that's the society i want to live in yeah there's that one clip uh, f- from like saturday night live in the 80s where john lovitz is playing dukakis he's like how am i losing to this guy that's kind of how i feel <laughs> right now it's like how how can how can they have control with this set of policies
1: it's incomprehensible it really is really is um but i you know i was wrong on the on the whole trump winning that last election thing i was wrong on him not winning the first one (laughs) and then winning the second one and
0: i believe you also believe romney was going to win yes i did okay i think you you were right in 2008 (laughs) <laughs> I was. If you go back to 2008, you've got a yes. great record. Yeah, uh, but, thank you. You know, I, I will say, though, I feel often the same way and that, like, normally I go into these elections and I feel really pessimistic because I just assume, you know, bad things. This is the, yeah. the first election in a while. I go into it with I'm real optimism, unless something massive changes over the next uh, year. And it could. And it could. I mean, you know, you never know. Mm. A terrorist attack, a, a war starting. I mean, there's always a reason. I mean, who saw the pandemic coming? You right. know, in 2019, you never would have known. Q and on. They were the, only, Q and, ones, they Q. Were the Q. only ones. They were the only ones. But that's because they knew JFK Jr. was going right. to bring right. the pandemic. Let me switch gears to uh, to uh, sports for a second because uh, we are seeing, and this is this has been a, a typical talk radio complaint for a long time, which is like, oh, we're getting rid of we, this this uh, you know participation trophy culture is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. It's going to lead to bad
1: things. Mm-hmm.
0: We're seeing it lead to bad things now, even oh, in Texas.
1: Man. Uh, we sure are. There's there's a uh, small fly, small fry football league that's seven and eight year olds in in Flower Mound, Texas, and the, <clears throat> there's uh, they're the Flower Mound. I forget their nickname, but okay. this Flower Mound yeah. team is really good and hasn't lost a single game all season. In fact, they've beaten their opponents by a combined score of 199 to six. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. That's excellence, though, right? That's really good. If if you're on the team, you're proud of that. Uh, You you think you're doing the right thing. Instead, what happened was the president of the league just decided that they are not going to play in the playoffs because they're too good, and so they can't be allowed to win the league. Uh, Wow, what a lesson for those kids. Yeah. Hey, get really good. Work really hard. And then when you get to the tippy top of the pile, we're going to kick you right back down to the bottom (laughs) so you can't compete.
0: It really is inverse merit-based. It's the reverse of what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to encourage people to be better, to achieve more.
1: Yes. And I guess feelings get in the way of that. And we've talked about this kind of thing before in, in the fact that even in the NFL and Major League Baseball, I've seen this attitude where you're supposed to completely back off and change the rules of the game if you're ahead by a lot. Well, so did the rules of the game actually change because I'm up by 40 points? I don't think so. I'm still supposed to score a touchdown. Your job is to stop me. Yeah. And even in the NFL, that theory is pervasive. They, they will complain if somebody throws a pass or scores a touchdown when they're up by 30 or 40 points. Well, you guys are all millionaires. Stop them. Yeah. Stop don't them. allow them to do that. Yeah. I mean, I can understand a team
0: taking their players out, their best players, putting in their backups sure. to get them work, to make sure you yes. don't get injuries. But there's no yes. excuse for no excuse. babying and coddling professional athletes. You Seven can, and
1: eight-year-olds, maybe you make an, argu- an argument, yeah, but that doesn't maybe.
0: mean this team should get thrown out of the playoffs.
1: <laughs> no, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy talk. But that's, that's where we are, that excellence is uh, – and, you know, it also gets into politics. Excellence is punished. And mediocrity is rewarded. And being a victim is, being a victim. is, is rewarded. And, uh, you, and if you become, you know, you get to the top of the heap financially, then you're a bad person. Yeah, uh, it really is. A, it's crazy. Uh, feels
0: like uh, everything is the reverse of what it's supposed to be. Um, let me hit one more thing on the Biden administration. You, the, the, right now they're having this, uh, this minor issue you may have noticed uh, as a small business owner with inflation, mm. where prices mm. for basic things are going mm. way, way, way up. I mean, you run a cookie company, Kexi Cookies, uh, kexi.com, by the way, the best cookies yep. you're ever going to have. Um, and are you guys seeing that hit? you Big time. Really? Yeah. It's, well, you, I mean, if it hits the butter market, you're in real trouble.
1: <laughs> it yeah. has hit the butter market. Oh, no. Uh, and the sugar market and everything else we use as ingredients. And so, yeah, we, we ate that cost for a while, but <clears throat> we just re- raised our prices a little bit.
0: I, how do you not?
1: You have to. You can't stay in business if you don't. Our profit margin just isn't big enough to just say, okay, we'll just eat that. I mean, we have 14 employees now. They have to be paid. We have overhead. You know, the rent has to be paid every month. Uh, You know, you got to buy the ingredients. They're really expensive. And so you can't just continue to eat it. Otherwise, there's no reason to be in business. Yeah. And and there's choices you can make, right? You can
0: choose to... Pick inferior ingredients, right? Like you can choose yeah. to do those things,
1: but like then want you're, to. yeah, you're, you're sacrificing your vision for what you want. Yeah, the quality goes away, yeah, and then nobody wants your product. Right. I mean, if if you're gonna put out a Keebler cookie, Keebler's already doing that. Yeah. I mean, plus they're, they, I mean, they can keep their prices low because they have elves, elves working for free. Yeah. What do trees. the elves need? Yeah. What do you have to pay them? Nothing. 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 I
0: mean, Nothing. maybe they eat a couple of the cookies that fall on the ground. Right. But I mean, they literally live in trees. Yes. Yeah. So you don't even need to pay rent. Right. You know, that's the scam with Keebler. People don't understand that. Um, By the way, you guys have the Black Friday thing coming out this week, right?
1: Yeah, it's a special edition uh, box with really special cookies. The best, I think, really the best we've ever made. And um, and then it talks a little bit about our goals and what our what our deal is for next year. And we hope you'll participate in that. And. Um, you can also sign up to to win a free box of the of the special edition cookies okay. at kexy.com kexy.com sign up uh, make
0: sure you get and you're going to be revealing these flavors you can't say what they are yet not yet but friday I can say what they are because I have no con- uh, connection to this company. <laughs> I just ate the cookies. I will, That's I will true. so you actually do know. I do know what they mm-hmm. are at least most of them and I will say they're unbelievable. You have to get these things in your life. They're amazing. Um, and there's a lot of flavors too. you guys came up a with one. Yeah. This, this is the type of thing I, I, I've done this before where I order a box of kexi cookies and you cut them into like quarters mm-hmm. and then you can make a big like tr- cookie tray out of them for like a, a Christmas yes. party. It's a good way to go. Awesome, awesome, and people will love you for it. So check it out, kexy.com, sign up for the list. And, of course, watch Pat Gray Unleashed on Blaze TV and YouTube. Uh, Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast as well. Pat, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. You can watch every episode of this show on YouTube, youtube.com slash America. We have a very exciting YouTube announcement coming up very soon, probably next week. We'll let you know about that. You can comment on the show live as well. Jesse writes in, I'm watching you at 1.15 a.m. while lying on an uncomfortable chair waiting for my wife to deliver my baby boy. Biden can try to ruin everything, but he can't ruin today for me. I can't wait to teach my son to be a reasonable conservative. Awesome. We wish you the best of luck with that and congratulations. That's, a, that's great news. And sometimes... We have to remember, Joe Biden can't ruin everything in our lives. These things are still awesome. Great things happen and enjoy them when they do. Uh, This one comes in uh, from a podcast review. You can review the podcast, of course. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Click subscribe. If you're on YouTube, click subscribe. Click the bell. Do the things. Little tiny things that help this show so much. Uh, Too lazy not to like him. Hmm. I've been laughing at this guy since 2001. Why change now? I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's the best thing we can do. We just hope we've become enough of your routine that you don't even think about turning the show on anymore. We can't really hope to win you over. We just hope you're kinda okay with leaving it on in the background and that's enough for us. Uh, Okay, a couple of quick stories here. Social media use is linked to depression in adults. Shocking. I am stunned to hear this. Um, We maybe go into a little bit more detail next week on that study, Uh, but it leads me to why. Why is this happening? Let me give you an example. This is a story about Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell, the actress, uh, she, of course, uh, was the star of The uh, the Good Place, along with many other things. Um, She uh, had a picture taken with a couple of police officers, and uh, this was posted on their account. It says, today we had the absolute uh, pleasure of meeting Kristen Bell, who was hands down the kindest human ever. There truly never is a dull moment at Lancaster. Totally innocuous photo. Kristen Bell looking like Kristen Bell, which is always positive. However, uh, this was a major controversy. Uh, She was lit up on social media. People said, how could you possibly pose with police officers? These are the people who are uh, supporting the white supremacy and the patriarchy. Uh, She had previously posted all sorts of stuff about Black Lives Matter. Not good enough. Uh, now they want her head. They want her to be canceled. They want, to, uh, uh, they want her criticized and for her to lose all of her jobs and sponsorships and all the things that she does because she posed with a couple of nice police officers. Remember this, Kristen, and anyone else in Hollywood, you're never woke enough. Thrilled to have Nathan Nipper here in studio, even you know, if I see him almost every day as it is. He's one of Glenn's writers and researchers and author of the brand new book, Life on Christmas Eve, which is available for purchase right this very second. What are you waiting for? Nathan, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks so much for having me, Stu. First of all, before we get to your book, yes. I saw you actually out the other night. Yeah. Glenn Beck and I mm-hmm. at a theater. You walk up. We're all at the Rocky Four Director's Cut.
2: Right. That was so weird. <laughs> I, I was actually going out of the auditorium, or I was coming in as my daughter was going out mm. before the show started, and she's like, There's a guy in there that looks just like Glenn Beck. And she was serious, like, she wasn't joking. And <laughs> I, just thought, I just laughed and said, Well, it probably is. <laughs> yeah, <And> it was. <laughs> didn't know you were going to be there.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. I didn't realize you were a big Rocky Four fan. I mean, well, we, okay. We...
2: So I am a Rocky connoisseur, mm-hmm. uh, like yourself. Yes. I love all the Rocky movies, but actually, that was my least favorite growing really? up. Really, just didn't feel. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I didn't like it. You kind of love them all, like yes. family members. But um, yeah, I, I guess just the different vibe I and mean, kind of the over-the-topness of the fight and all that.
0: It is. It wasn't my favorite. <laughs> yeah. But well, it is basically a ninety-minute montage. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. <laughs> It really is. It it
2: took, like, all the things that people liked from previous Rocky movies, training, montage, Mm -hmm. and fights, Mm -hmm. and just did that.
0: (laughs) They were like, ah, story, I don't know. But weren't you, you had to be won over by the fact that it did uh, end the Cold War. I mean, it was the reason why the Soviet Union collapsed.
2: There's not a coincidence that it happened, like, five years later. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, the speech (laughs) took a little while to be translated. (laughs) Uh, Just real quick before we get, because, I mean, this is where your background, really, movies and and entertainment, that's kind of where you came from. Um, What did you, I? What did you think of the, of the overall movie that Rocky, um, the director's cut?
2: So, fascinating experience to, to see, you know, the, the tweaks that you would make, you know, to such a movie such a long time later. Yeah. Uh, I actually, just as a movie, I thought it was a better movie mm-hmm. with some of the tweaks. But then there were some odd things left out, too. Yeah. You know, like entirely cutting the kid out. <laughs> Yeah, that was
0: the kid, the wife, the wife, Ivan Drago's wife. Yeah. Well, now I know they had some personal histories. Right. That might have been what happened. It just cut all of her lines.
2: Yeah. And then there were some scenes, especially at the beginning, that you felt like, okay, I know why that was left out before. Yeah. It was just, I don't know, a little awkward, a little clunky. Yeah. yeah. Um, But then there were a couple of things I appreciated. Yeah.
0: It was a mixed bag. The one thing I was the thing I walked out of there and I said to everyone who would indulge me in talking about it was there's a scene in the first Apollo fight where, where he gets killed. Oh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, he's, he's kind of doing the uncle Sam thing. And he's like, I want you. I want you. It's kind yeah. and, and In there, like, he has his gloves on. When he's pointing, he's going, I want you, I want you. And he doesn't have his glove on, and then immediately he has his gloves on. I've noticed it since 1985, right? Right. Like, (laughs) every time I've watched it, I've noticed it. And I was like, this is their fight. I mean, they'll definitely do stuff like this and fix that, right? Like, a very easy, basic fix. They didn't fix it. And... (laughs) And I was complaining to somebody about this, and they sent me a documentary of him working on the director's cut. There's apparently a documentary. Yes, I've that. seen
2: a couple of clips of okay, this, yeah. but yeah, looked kind of interesting.
0: Bit. Yeah, he, Sylvester Stallone's watching the TV, and he goes, wait a minute, back that up. He doesn't have his, glo- his hand in his glove. When he's pointing, I, I want you, I want you. And, he goes, and, and the guy who's doing the documentary is like, wait a minute, you haven't noticed that in 35 years? <laughs> right. And he goes, uh, no, it's the first time I've noticed it. We've got to make sure we replace that cut. And then it wasn't replaced in the final product. (laughs) This is like Democrat lawmakers putting together a film.
2: Yeah, I think you described it after uh, you mentioned to me, I thought it was a good description, that it was kind of like watching, you know, your favorite band riff on one of their classic songs. (laughs) Yeah, And that's kind of a good (laughs) description, you know. It was was interesting to see how he messed with it. In general, I appreciated some of the emotional things added, Mm -hmm. especially around the funeral and some things that should have been there anyway, probably. Um, But weird experience to well, see.
0: Well, 35 years from now, yeah. there will be a director's cut of your book, Life on Christmas Eve. <laughs> oh man. Yes, there will be a movie made out of it and then there will be a Nathan director's cut <laughs> that's coming in 35 years. But you don't want to have to wait that long. You can get the book right now. And this yeah. is interesting because I, you know, I think when when we first started working together, I mean, I knew you as someone who was writing for Glenn. I didn't yeah. really know your background. Um, you've written movies before. You've 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 worked in the film business. You've you've done this a little bit before. You've written books before. Can you mm-hmm. go, take people through how you got here?
2: Oh man, well that's a long, uh, <laughs> drawn out thing. Uh, essentially, yeah, I did do some. I mean, I call it minor league screenwriting because mm. I, I didn't have any big screen movies. You know, it was it was basic. Cable type cable situation. Types, yeah. Now, but, I
0: watch every Lifetime and Hallmark Christmas movie that airs every year. Right? Lisa, my wife and I, we watch all of them. And yes. a lot of times I will say they're pretty bad. They're not all bad. <laughs> right. Some of them are good, but we do make fun <laughs> of a lot of them. Sure. But like that's still they're really fun and enjoyable and yeah. they make a zillion of them. They're, they're you know, it's a great part of Christmas. I think. Right.
2: It is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, sc- the screenwriting as a business, it, it's terrible for, try- <laughs> <laughs> for trying to, uh, you know, if you want to have something like a family, stuff
0: like that. Sure, sure. Um, well, so, and it's something like that. Yeah, yeah,
2: something like that. If that's important to you, you know, don't be a screenwriter, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mostly the art of writing stuff that never gets made. You might get paid for it, even, but right. it never gets made. That's, that's, kind that's of, rough. That's, that's
0: a, generally the business. But well, and you know this from working with Glenn all these years. You yeah. write a speech for Glenn, and then he goes up on the podium and then doesn't look at at once and just riffs for two hours, right? right. And it's, I think Glennon was supposed to be a 20-minute script uh, uh, and he talks for two hours. Um, but like, you get used to, in this business, yeah. writing things that you're really proud of, that you really like, that never get used, mm-hmm. even if you're getting paid to do them. It's a weird, it's a very empty feeling.
2: Yeah, I mean, you do become accustomed to it to a, to a certain extent, I guess, but the, maybe that's part of subconsciously why you end up writing your own book because you're like, you know, I'm going to write something that,
0: you know, <laughs> is actually,
2: mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. It's it wasn't a an intentional thing that I that I did. Like uh, I've got to do this to soothe my writing soul or anything like that. It was just kind of an outgrowth of that original screenwriting that I did. Yeah. And I, like I've, I've told you before off the air, um, this started life as a movie, and I thought it was actually going to to go at a a certain network that we won't talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it kind of, they bailed on it at the the last second, as had happened before to me. It wasn't really a surprise, but I really kind of needed that at the time. Yeah, Uh, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating. And it was weird, this particular story just stuck with me over the years. And I always, it it got to the point that I I felt a little bit guilty sometimes, like, because I had received a lot of good feedback on, on when it was a script. I was like, well, maybe I should try to turn that into a a book sometime, but I didn't have experience with that. You know, I'd never written a novel before. And um, it was actually uh, about six years ago, um, my pastor at the church where my wife and I are are members, um, a sermon he gave one Sunday actually triggered me to say, all right, fine, I'm going to Mm. write this, this book. And that really was the thing that Inspired me to strap myself to the seat and finally crank this out slowly.
0: Really? Yeah, that's interesting Uh, so You kind of decide years ago that you're gonna give this thing a shot and you start putting the story together Mm -hmm. But I mean this is a long process right and you don't know and it's one of those things you don't know how it ends Right, Right. so so how did it how did it get to this point where that? I'm actually holding the book right now
2: (laughs) Well, I mean I am a slow writer (laughs)
0: <laughs> but uh,
2: I don't typically work on things this long. You know, like I wrote that as a screenplay 12 years ago, and then it sat in the drawer for six more years until I've, you know, started trying to put it, turn it into a book. And so, yeah, it was it really crank out a first draft over about six months. Um, and, and this is actually before I even started working here back in uh, early 2016, I guess. Wow. And, you know, and then you slowly just kind of tweak it and, and try to refine as you can. And of course, working here is a full full time
0: job. So oh, it was yeah. Just and another full time job. Another full yep.
2: time <laughs> job, too. And so, yeah, it was just here and there tweaking as I you know, could. And then you start sending it out to places and it's just a long drawn out process. But when I started, there were no publishing prospects. I was just like. Yeah, let's try it. Oh, that's
0: that's a that's a great story. So tell yeah. me about the book. What, what, sure. Uh, what what? How did it inspire you to to come up with it? And, and and what's the what's the pitch for people as we go into the holidays after what's been a rough couple of years here, man? Yeah. I mean, people want something uplifting, and this is a great <clears throat> time for this.
2: Yeah. Well, um, you know, kind of the it does sound like a movie because it was <laughs> at first, <laughs> mm-hmm. but the kind of the high concept is. Uh, it's about a small town woman who thinks that her life is turning into, it's a wonderful life. So hmm. she's 31 years old. She's never seen the movie. Her her best friend kind of twists her arm to, to watch it. And and shortly after she does, she starts noticing some weird similarities between things that happen to her. Kind of a, a few events in a row that enough to raise her eyebrows, sure. you know. And so the simil- similarities between things that happen to her and things that happen in the movie. And then... The rest of the book is kind of her quest to uh, figure this out, you know, like why these things might be happening and what it might all mean. And ultimately, it leads her to this encounter with a stranger, uh, a life changing encounter on Christmas Eve. And so, if that sounds a little cryptic, it's because I don't want to ruin the ending. No, of course. Uh, There is sort of a surprise. And it is a fun, sort of quirky story um, that I hope is a little different from the typical hallmark let's say, fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that in the end, it really kind of packs an emotional sucker punch that's in a good way. Right. That, um, you know leaves people feeling uplifted. I
0: don't want to give away too much, but she does yeah. fight a Russian boxer. Ah, uh, spoiler and, alert. Yeah, no, yeah. I shouldn't have and said that. And Apollo <laughs> dies. <Yeah>. I- <laughs> it was really sad. <laughs> um, you, know, it, you know, it's interesting because It's a Wonderful Life is a great movie, obviously. Yeah. It, it also is kind of dark at times. I mean, it yes. really, when you watch it back, you think of the moment with the with the bells and the kid and all these yeah. wonderful things and you know, everyone bringing money and I mean, it's dark. First of all, there's yeah. a huge problem with drunk driving in this town. Yes. No one, they, they people are crashing cars into trees it's, and yeah. it's like, oh, jeez, uh, you can believe he did that again? No, he's crazy. Leave the, leave the, the car here and pick it up in the morning. That's a major legal problem I have with that movie. Right. But really like, I mean, this is, a, this is a struggle and so many people have gone through it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's so relevant following the pandemic, really. Yeah. And for if people haven't seen it, and I mean, I make a joke about it in the book. It's a, it's a younger woman who's never seen it. Well, that's kind of typical now. I mean, yeah, so many generations have have come and gone. And I mean, the movie turned 75 this year. Jeez, doesn't but really. It's actually um, it is so classic, and it actually is a really quality movie to watch yeah. in 2021. You know, it will surprise you if you've never seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time. And I agree with you. There's some, some dark moments. There's some powerful moments, though, uh, that oh, yeah. really grab you. And so don't be turned off by the fact that it's a black and white you know, 1946 movie. It's yeah. amazing. So who's
0: the, who's the person you think needs to read this book this holiday season?
2: Who is that person? Oh, man. Well, you know, I lost my dad earlier this year mm. um, to, to COVID. So many people have. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's a dark time in the nation. And so really anyone who needs to kind of shift out of politics for a while and focus on the things that are important, the inherent value of each person's life. I mean, these are themes that would be helpful for anyone who's feeling low this season season or alone, you know, to, to revisit. I think it would be encouraging to them.
0: We've all been through really tough times. There yeah. is, oh, you know, there, the holidays are there at some level to help us turn that around. Yeah. Uh and this is a great way to do it. The book is called Life on Christmas Eve, a novel by Nathan Nipper. Um I believe the the this entire chunk in the middle is one training montage. You it should is. know that. Uh that's it, it is a long, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Again, lots of spoiler alerts. But it's like I mean it's really cool. I'm really proud of you man for nice. doing this and this is a uh, it's one of those things. And by the way, Glenn, you came on the radio show the other day yeah. and I mean, the next time I click on the book, Nathan Nipper, bestseller. It is. How cool is that? It it went all, all the way up, almost to the top of the Amazon charts.
2: Number one for holiday fiction.
0: It was crazy. Can you believe that? I couldn't believe it. I mean, geez. Shocking. You go back to uh, listening to, uh, you know, some sermon one, one Sunday and yeah. all the way here. It's really Six incredible. later. Awesome. Crazy. Nathan Nipper, uh, Life on Christmas Eve. Be sure to grab one, two, five, 80 copies <laughs> uh, for you and your friends. Great Christmas gifts as well. Get it now. Nathan, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Stu. Appreciate it. <laughs> Don't forget to get your merch at stewdoesmerch.com. Everything's available there. 20% off right now with the code STU20. I mean, we're in a merch war. We need to win this thing. Stew20, get 20% off your merch. Great Christmas presents available now and great Thanksgiving cards. I'm going to send this one out. This is a Taliban Joe Thanksgiving card available at stewdoesmerch.com. I'm going to send this one out to Joe Biden himself. Dear Joe, as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday, I just wanted to say a few words of thanks to you. Thanks for destroying America's supply chain and skyrocketing inflation. It's much easier to explain why you didn't give someone a gift when there's no gifts to give. Thanks for spiking America's gas prices to record levels. That significantly increases the chances that some of my relatives won't bother to make the trip out this year. Thanks for failing at rallying your own party to accomplish your agenda. Even with Nancy Pelosi's centuries of experience, you've still got progressives running wild and moderates thumbing their noses at you. You bought people, kinda brought them together. (laughs) Everybody seems to hate you. (laughs) And finally, thanks for appointing Kamala Harris as your vice president. Her failures combined with your own should make you incredibly easy to beat next time. I hope this card finds you well as you wake up from your third nap of the day. Also, you suck. Happy Thanksgiving, Stu. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week.